are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Monday edition of Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. I'm your Monday host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked On Rockets right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we'll be joined by Ryland Stiles of the Locked On Thunder Podcast to recap the Friday Night Rising Stars Challenge. The new format, how did it feel? What did it look like taking place on the court? Who succeeded? Who struggled? We're going to get into all of that. Then we dive into the Saturday night all-star festivities, the new revamped skills challenge, the three-point shootout, as well as the somewhat uneventful dunk contest with Sean Coleman of Locked On Grizzlies. And then we round things out with John Corrales of Locked On Celtics going through an electric Sunday night all-star game. Steph Curry lighting it up. LeBron James hitting the game winner. A storybook ending in Cleveland. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. As always, thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day. Joining us now to break down all the action from All-Star Weekend Friday night, the Rising Stars game is none other than Ryland Styles, host of the Locked on Thunder podcast. You can find at Ryland underscore Styles on Twitter. Ryland, this was honestly, to, to me, kind of, you know, maybe the highlight of the weekend. And maybe that's just because you cover the Thunder, I cover the Rockets. I mean, this is kind of one of those, you know, th- this was the championship game for some of the tanking teams, unfortunately. But I-, I was a big fan of the revamped style of the Rising Stars competition with the drafted teams, with the kind of little tournament dynamic that they had at play here. Give me your initial thoughts on, on Rising Stars and-, and the new revamped format. Yeah, I, I loved it. I thought that it, prevented some of those lulls you typically get in a full-length game. I mean, you think back to previous Rising Star events and a full-length game with only two teams, there's not much to take away from. Maybe a few alley-oop plays or a logo three here and there, but there's not really many staying power moments. But when you have a target score and as it gets closer to that target score and guys start playing a higher intensity and pulling their shorts down at the free throw line and things like that, it just creates more of a watchable game and an entertaining game. I think that with that target score, your juices get flowing, and you get closer to it. And it was short enough to not drag on and not have moments within those four games of, uh, let's get this over with. Let's kind of move on to the next thing already. It was a really, really good format. I hope that they keep it uh, moving forward. Yeah. Cole Anthony with maybe the, the play of the night trying to, <laughs> <laughs> Moon at the free throw line to prevent the game-winning free throw. Unfortunately, it didn't work. Uh, team Worthy uh, coming up just a little bit short against Team Isaiah down the stretch of the very first game of the evening. I do think it was very cool. You alluded to kind of the, the way that they were playing for a final score, right? So there wasn't a, a time component. So as you saw each of those teams get closer and closer to the final score of 50, and then in the championship round, the final score of 25 in honor of the NBA's 75th anniversary, putting 50 and 25 together. I'm not a big fan of doing live math on podcasts, but I think between the two of us, Rylan, we can figure out that that means 75 right there. It was it was a really cool dynamic at play. As far as that first game goes, who was the player that stood out to you the most between Team Worthy and Team Isaiah from that first match of the night? Uh, Cole Anthony, because he somehow thought he was LeBron. <laughs> I mean, he wasted the first like seven possessions just jacking up logo threes and and thinking he was the best player on the floor. Uh, but Jalen Green was really good. I, his efficiency 
was awesome. Obviously, he had the step back that everybody's going to make fun of uh, where he gets fouled slash blocked to uh, sort of, quote-unquote, lose the game. But the full-length inbound pass from my guy Josh Giddy to Jalen Suggs was awesome. But the first game, I thought, was hands down Jalen Green. I was really impressed by Jalen Green. I was also impressed by Jalen Suggs. It, it really felt like the Jalens were kind of helping to uh, guide and, and lead Team Worthy. But as you as you just mentioned, I mean, Josh Giddy was also doing his thing with his passing in that game as well, kind of creating, guiding the rest of the team on that floor. Now, as far as the second game of the evening goes between Team Peyton and Team Barry, that was, I think, probably the more competitive of the first two games before we made it to the to the championship game. And that one, it was was highlighted by a, a number of players really standing out in this one. I, I come away thinking, and it pains me to say this as somebody who covers the Rockets, but Evan Mobley was far and away the best player in this in this meeting. Yeah, I think that that second game had the benefit of being the second game, where like the first game, team worthy against Isaiah was just kind of feeling each other out in the first few points. And do we want to participate in this like an all-star game or do we want to treat it like it's a real game? Like they didn't really know what they wanted to do. And then ultimately I thought down the stretch of that first game, they played like it was a legitimate game. And then in game two, from the jump, they were playing it like it was a real live action game. And so they were going for it in game two. It was nice to see the NBA let a guy who's collecting social security participate in the Rising Stars event and and, uh, Jason Tate. But nonetheless, I thought Mobley was uh, a little bit better than Jason Tate. Hey, look, first off, that's ageism at its finest taking place right now because Jay Sean Tate is very much just, just he's a sophomore, just like everybody else. I don't want to hear it, but it was kind of times. (laughs) <laughs> it was it was pretty cool to see Jay Sean Tate have a couple have the play uh, the two plays of this game in this one with the stop on Lamelo Ball late in the game and then to come away with the game winning bucket driving scooping under and then you saw even on the highlight reel like Lamelo as he's walking away from the game with the final buzzer already you know happened and everything and he's like reenacting the move from Jay Sean Tate and he's like I don't know how he got the up and under right. like just through the rim it was kind of a cool moment to see and. Look, first off, also, nobody's talking about, look, I know he didn't play, but nobody's talking about Chris Duarte and the fact that he's an older rookie as well, okay? So Jay Shante, very well within his right to have played in this game, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, obviously he deserves to be there. He's a, He is a rising star in the league in the sense of, despite his age, his experience, his rising star level. And credit to him for just carving out this really uh, broad niche and his, and his role in the NBA for his career because he could have easily fallen by the wayside, but he's a legitimate NBA player that deserves a lot of credit. Now, with the the championship game here being played against Team Barry and Team Isaiah, the two teams that won the previous matchups, I was, Rylan, I was a little bit disappointed, even though I thought it was, again, cool that they were honoring the 75th anniversary. It kind of felt like the championship game would have been cooler if they had been able to go a little bit longer or maybe kind of constitute some some type of a different scoring dynamic because going to just 25 even though it did feel like the intensity was a bit there for longer in this game I would have liked to see that that match take a little bit longer than it ultimately did and I don't have there's I don't think there's a way to record the time in this one because minutes weren't recorded for these games so I off the top of my head it did feel like the championship game went a little bit faster than the other two unfortunately yeah and I feel like it just didn't allow for the rhythm to get back into it especially whenever you break up the games with that shooting challenge that they had in between the games. Uh, I thought that it was still fun. I still love the format, and I get why they decided to break up the games because it wouldn't really be fair to play a game to 50 and then turn around and immediately play a game to to, uh, to 25. But still, I, I thought it was really fun, but it would have been better had you gotten to kind of get more into a rhythm. And, and maybe next year, whenever there's not that kind of target of 75 to get to to accommodate anything, maybe you do expand. That's just three games of 50.
Now, Cade Cunningham did walk away the Rising Stars MVP. I, I thought that he definitely played a part in especially Team Barry's overall success. I kind of do walk away thinking, though, that oh, as far as just overall impact across the two games that, that Team Barry did wind up playing and winning, one, I think you do have to look at the impact that Jay Sean Tate had in the first game especially, but even then, Evan Mobley, I thought, was a bit more of an impactful player. I'm not trying to take it away from Cade Cunningham, the fact that he did win the MVP, but I think there were, if anything, I think it's just a testament to how many different young rising star players had kind of a say in what could have been you know, the final tally for the MVP voting with uh, as far as the voting was concerned, Jay Sean Tate did walk away with two of the votes uh, of the nine, I believe it was, for the Rising Stars MVP, Cade Cunningham walking away with the rest of them, and the fan vote going uh, by way of Evan Mobley in, in regards to the, I think it was 10 overall votes being cast, I think it was. Yeah, shout the Thunder legend, PJ Carlissimo, first head coach ever the Thunder, voting for Jay Sean Tate. Uh, I think that you're right, though. I think that it's kind of what worries you about the Rookie of the Year voting. Like, Cade Cunningham, did he play well? Yes, he did, but... I wouldn't have given it to him. I think that maybe the narrative of being the top overall pick helped him there. But I, I think you're right. Mobley would have been a, a good bet. And despite the jokes, uh, Jay Sean Tate as well would have been a really, really good pick. So I cannot fault PJ Carlismo for that, uh, for that selection. If anything, though, again, it's it's a kind of a testament to the the level of talent that we have here in the NBA. And I, I walked away from Friday night and the Friday night kind of, you know, events taking place for All-Star Weekend, really pleased with with the competitive nature of the Rising Stars format, the new revamped format. It was an exciting evening, and it was kind of just a fun time to appreciate all the young talent that the league has to offer at this point. Yeah, I think that Shaq's made the point many times on TNT over the weekend of, like, LeBron's going to be leaving soon. Like, you got to find that new star, that new, uh, that new kind of brand for the NBA, and I think that the NBA's in great hands. I think it's in better hands than any other sport right now because of how many great players there are, but also those great players have fantastic personalities to show off. And the NBA is the best league at showing off those personalities. So rising stars Saturday night, and then the all-star game tonight is going to show just how great of shape the NBA is in. Does it count as showing off personality when Cole Anthony dropped his shorts at the free throw line? Is that what personality is code for these days? No, I, I kid, I kid. Rylan, always a pleasure to have that. you It's on. a good thing it's in with the NBA. Joe, Joe Buck would just be disgusted. Joe Buck would have none of it. But, Ryland, you're going to have us cover everything Josh Giddy and his uh, ascension as the NBA trends younger and younger in these coming years. You're going to have us cover for all of that and more over at Locked on Thunder, as well as all things NBA. Appreciate you stopping by Locked on NBA with me. Thanks for having me. Coming up, NBA All-Star Saturday night, the revamped skills challenge, the three-point shootout, as well as the really, really tough to stomach dunk contest. We're going to get there in just one moment after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Because look, when it comes to protein bars, you've got to check out Built Bar. They are the best protein bar on the market right now. They're not gritty or chalky like other protein bars. They're delicious. They're covered in 100% delectable chocolate, and they have so many amazing flavors to choose from. They've got strawberry, cookies and cream, mint brownie, peanut butter, coconut brownie chunk, my number one favorite. You can't go wrong with a single bar on their menu. Every single bar is low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing if you're on a keto diet, amazing if you're still trying to hang in there and stick true to your New Year's resolutions. You can check them out. Just go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your very next order of the best tasting protein bars on the market. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. 
and continuing on here at Locked On NBA Monday. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day. For your next listen, be sure to check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Joining us now to break down the action, or I guess potentially lack thereof, on All-Star Saturday night is the host of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, Sean Coleman, who you can follow on Twitter at StatsSAC. Sean, this All-Star Saturday night, if I'm just going to completely open the floodgates here, has to have been one of the most underwhelming All-Star Saturday nights in recent memory. Do you agree or disagree? Oh, absolutely. And and first off, it's good to see you, Jackson. As always, thank you for having me on. Um, it definitely was one of the more lackluster ones. And you know, I uh I know that I'm gonna show my age here a bit, but but Saturday night at, at times has been possibly the featured moment of All-Star Weekend when you had past slam dunk contests, especially when you were having, you know, the premier talents in the league actually be in the slam dunk contest and then the All-Star game. But as we've seen, listen, 2016 being the exception, you know, right around the middle of last decade, it was phenomenal. But yes, last night was not anywhere near what the NBA wants for it to be or needs for it to be. And, you know, I've got a couple of ideas that I think will make it better, but it, it, it continues to be a missed opportunity for the NBA to really, really feature some of its younger stars before the, the stars in their primes take center stage on Sunday. It was a missed opportunity, and yes, it was a letdown overall. Just to walk through the events of All-Star Saturday Night, so we had the Skills Challenge, which was now revamped from an individual competition into a team, uh, you know, endeavor this time around with three teams uh, representing the the Rooks. Then you had the Antetokounmpo's, and then you had the Cavaliers. So three separate teams in the Skills Challenge, but ultimately the Skills Challenge itself, Sean, it didn't really feel like a skills challenge because it just kind of felt like some half court heaves and, you know, when, when it wasn't even required to hit the shots to be able to advance in the skills challenge, there were aspects of it that was, were kind of cool. Like the passing element and the moving targets was kind of, you know, nifty, but you could, to me, it kind of felt like they were trying to find a way to spice up the skills challenge and they just didn't quite hit the mark. Well, and I don't want to go out of turn here, but I, I think you're correct. I think that they tried to spice up the skills challenge uh, a bit too much. And, and the thing about it is, is that you, when you're trying, that's what you're running into with both the skills challenge and the slam dunk competition. Listen, I kind of, you know, compare it to wrestling. You know, when you look at the Attitude Era versus now, you see a lot of times where right now they're redoing storylines, they're recycling storylines, right, that they did during the Attitude Era, era of wrestling. You have a limited, like, shelf life when it comes to these skills competition and the slam dunk competition. And it just feels like that in both instances, you're getting away from the dunks. You're getting away from the skills by making the show more of what is the focal point than the actual skills itself. And if you get further and further away from that, I think it just takes away from the reason why we're here to see basketball skills and slam dunks. So yes, it seems like every single year, even though they're trying to spice it up, it's getting away from the reason why they're doing it. And that takes away from it overall. 
before we get to the dunk contest, which obviously is going to be the area where we've got a lot to kind of pick apart here is I will say that the three point contest this, this year, it, it was, was really entertaining. It was really cool to see Carl Anthony towns walk away, setting a new record in the final round of the three point competition with the final score of 29 points. That was impressive. He said that he wanted to walk away known as the greatest big man shooter of all time. He walks away with the three point shooting title in order to do so. And to me, the three-point shooting contest, bar none, was the most exciting event of the evening. It absolutely is. And the reason why is, again, and I'm not trying to harp on my own point here, but it's the one event of these three on Saturday nights, Jackson, that still is focusing and featuring the skill itself. Because with the three-point shot, it's a matter of who can be the best at this one skill. And it also is a great way for you to be able to get premier names in the event. Look at the lineups that were overall in the skills challenge versus the slam dunk competition. Now look at the three-point shootout. I believe there were three all-stars and you had like two other rising stars in there. The overall amount of talent in the three-point competition, you're going to have more premier names in it than the slam dunk or the skills competition. So it was an absolute standout event. You have the ability to feature up-and-coming stars like a Desmond Bain, plus your all-stars like Fred Van Fleet and Carl Anthony Towns. And kudos to Carl Anthony Towns. I don't know if this makes him the best big man shooter of all time, but it was a spectacular performance nonetheless. It suddenly does. It, it certainly doesn't hurt his resume in that regard. Right. That's for certain. Now, the the premier event of the actually before we even get to the premier event of the night, I've got to say, what what was that 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 shameless plug for Steph and Aisha Curry in the middle of everything, playing the newlyweds game randomly on a on All Star Saturday night? That was what completely took me out of the vibe of All Star Saturday night, where I was like, what are we even doing here at this point? Exactly. And, and, and again, I, it, it just, this is going, this is my main thing. You're here to put on display the skills of your sports players. Make that the featured event of the night. Feature those skills more than the show. And, and that to me just stands out. Listen, I know that you want to get your main stars out there. You want to incorporate those main stars if they don't want to be involved in these skills challenges in some way, shape or form. But again, focus on the reason why we're here, which is basketball. We also do need to, I will say, even though we may be a little bit frustrated with the revamped format of the skills challenge, we will give the flowers to the home, home hometown team of the Cleveland Cavaliers squad that did win the skills challenge. Got to give them their flowers. Jarrett Allen, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland coming away with the dub in that first contest of the evening. But to the dunk contest, which is largely viewed as the premier event of All-Star Saturday. And this year, it was just kind of a letdown, Sean. I mean, look, Obi Toppin walked away the winner, and he deserves it. He's been in the dunk contest before. He came back this year. He, he attempted some new stuff. I'd never seen a player attempt the dunk that ultimately won him the dunk contest where he tapped the ball off the backboard and then flushed it afterwards. I thought that was cool. That was creative but it still didn't have like that pizzazz, the oomph of some of the previous years of dunk contest participants. And to start things off, again, the first round of dunks was okay, but I, I think by and large, and this was highlighted, unfortunately, by Houston Rockets' Jalen Green in the fact that there needs to be some kind of like a time limit or timer or something put on there because ultimately when you take so many attempts, I think it took he took eight or nine attempts on his first dunk to you lose the crowd, you start losing the judges, and then eventually it just becomes, you lose all of the hype in the building when that happens. 
Agree completely. And listen, again, it comes back to the fact with the dunk contest now, you don't have the names in there. You don't even have to the point of an Aaron Gordon or a Zach Levine before he was an all-star or took off. You don't even have those names in here. So you're going to have less names. Again, the limited shelf life of the dunk contest. Again, I think we're just, we're kind of getting close to that ceiling, Jackson, where there's only much, so much you can do that hasn't already been done. You're not coming up with something new. A lot of times the best dunks are just adding a, a small, you know, added ability of flair to something that's already been done. So here's my idea. We have six overall events that we look at in the All-Star Weekend. The Celebrity Game, Rising Stars Challenge, which I'm a fan more than I thought it would be uh, of the new stuff going on. The Skills, the three-point competition, the Slam Dunk, and the All-Star Game. My idea is this. Friday night at 7 o'clock, do the Rising Stars Challenge. Do that four-team tournament. Do that Clorox Clutch thing. Give that night to your young talent in the league. I like that idea. Then, on Saturday night, do your Celebrity Game do the three-point competition, and then combine the skills competition and the dunk contest. Make the skills competition end with the dunk contest, and now you have your, your extra stuff, your celebrity game plus the skills contest, focused on Saturday night. And then, obviously, you've got the All-Star game on Sunday. You feature your young stars on Friday, you feature the skills and the entertainment on Saturday, and you feature the main event on Sunday. I think that you've got the three-point competition, which is fine on its own. You take the two weak links, which are the skills competition and the dunk competition, put them together, add the celebrity game. I think that adds up to make all three nights a fun event. And it also saves the skills competition and the dunk contest, in my opinion. You know, I will say that I do think that when they add it with for, for the skills competition, as far as the way they did it last season, incorporating some of the bigs into the skills competition, yeah. which has largely been a guard-dominated yeah. competition, I did like that. That was kind of a step in the right direction of adding some new flair, adding some fresh feel to the competition, but then they just took it a little bit too far this year. Now, I don't know, Sean, if the answer is combining the two competitions, because I do think that at its peak, right, we've seen the slam dunk competition be something that is the the mainstay event the 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 peak event of all-star weekend at times the one that everybody looks forward to because to me it's just gotten too far away from the core which is it just needs to be a raw display of athleticism, right? People, mm -hmm. now it feels like there's too much with the gimmicks and this, that, and the other thing. We saw Cole Anthony bust out the Tims. We we saw Jalen Green with the NFT necklace before he tried, you know, his his eight or nine attempts for his very first dunk. Now, I will say, Sean, I, we, I do want to at least highlight here, of the dunks that we did see, I do think that Jalen Green's second dunk, the 360 between the legs counterclockwise finish where he like was coming from the opposite direction was a very impressive dunk and I think would have been scored potentially even better had it not been the second dunk of his and had it not come after kind of deflating the building, unfortunately, with his first one. And I was also really impressed with Juan Toscano Anderson's first dunk over Andrew Wiggins. I, 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 those were probably my two favorite dunks on the evening. What were yours of the ones that we did see? Oh, it was the Jalen Green dunk, the one it, because to me it was the the and, and Obi Toppin's dunk as well. Those were the two that were dunks. Those were the two that you didn't have the shows. They were purely dunks. Because I'm going to be honest with you, my my memory since I'm getting older is not as good as it used to be. But my point is, is that Jackson, when I remember dunks 
from yesteryear. I don't sit here and remember the shows that were around him, the flair that was around him. I remember the dunks themselves, the Isaiah Ryder between the legs dunk. I don't remember when Blake Griffin jumped over the Kia. I remember, obviously, when Michael Jordan and Dr. J jumped from the free throw line. I remember the dunks that converted that were focused on the dunks themselves. So at the very least, Maybe the idea of combining the skills competition and the dunk contest should not be there. The NBA needs the dunk contest to be on the level of Major League Baseball's home run derby absolutely all day long. The way that you do that, though, in my opinion, get focused back on the dunks and them being successful. I like a time limit. Focus on the dunks, less on the show. And I don't mean to be the old man yelling at the cloud here. I'm just tired of yelling in disappointment when all these dunks are missed, okay? If I want to see a brick house being built, I'll watch Houston Rockets highlight. I don't need to sit here and see it on NBA Saturday night. I told Sean he was allowed to get one Houston Rockets pot shot in on this Lockdown NBA segment. He slit, he came in at the 11th hour at the buzzer with the shot as he waves goodbye to all of our YouTube viewers. Sean, if you want to hear more old man yelling at clouds, you can check out Sean over at Lockdown. Grizzly, Sean, always a pleasure to have you on Lockdown NBA with me. The pleasure is always mine. Hope you enjoy the game. And coming up, the marquee event of NBA All-Star Weekend, the All-Star Game, where Steph Curry was electric, dropping 50 points, draining a million three-pointers. LeBron James with the storybook-ending game-winning shot in Cleveland, coming up here in just one moment. But first, a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online because, look, football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts and news this season and it's not just basketball bet online is your source for hockey boxing and ufc odds right to the olympic coverage and information head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action available to you bet online where the game starts and final segment here at Locked On NBA Monday. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, be sure to go check out the Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Joining us now to break down all the excitement that was the All-Star Game on Sunday night. The headlining event of All-Star Weekend is John Corrales, host of the Locked on Celtics podcast, as well as host of the Locked on NBA podcast on Wednesdays. You can follow him on Twitter at John underscore Corrales. John, every year I look forward to the All-Star Game now because of the intensity and the way it gets dialed up to 11 with the Elam ending. And this game did not disappoint. It was electric pretty much from the start of that final frame to the final seconds to the like storybook ending LeBron game winner yeah. in Cleveland to seal the game. You couldn't have written a better ending for this one. No, no, everything was perfect. Everything was perfect. I, I saw the jokes on Twitter, you know, Steph, Steph going crazy and LeBron stealing the, the, the ending there is is like the uh, 2016 season, you know, in a nutshell. But it, yeah, man, that's perfect. The, the, it was a fun. It was a fun All Star game. The first half of it was kind of like blah, I thought, and then all of a sudden, uh, Steph Curry started going crazy in the middle of the second quarter there, and you're like, oh, all right, here we go. He sets a record in the second quarter. Then he said he breaks that record, I think, in the third quarter uh, for most threes in a quarter. 
And then you get that Elam ending, which I think, give me that for every regular season game. Let's just make everything end on a game-winning shot. I am all in. That is a perfect way to end a basketball game. And uh, that, like you said, storybook with LeBron getting that last shot. It was just fun. It, was, it, it, it does kind of like erase the overall kind of feel of a blah all-star weekend by finishing on such a high note. It does. No, they, you know, I, I definitely think I think Friday had some promise with the Rising Stars game. I think mm-hmm. that was the, the new format was really exciting and cool. And I, I was kind of hoping that they'd incorporate some version of the Elam ending into the Rising Stars game. Maybe that's something that they can finesse and work on next year because it does provide some, you know, uh, some added intensity. But you're right the, to end on such a high note. And then Steph Curry, again, with the he finishing just shy of the all time scoring record for an all star game. 52 points held by Anthony Davis. Steph Curry falling just short, two points shy. And you could tell all through he that final it. quarter, he wanted, he wanted it, it so bad. But the he defense dialed up. It. It, it made it really tough to get anything going. He still walks away the All-Star Game MVP, winning the Kobe Bryant MVP award for the All-Star Game. A newly, you know, a brand new looking trophy, all of that. It was, you know, and you could tell when Steph was kind of giving his acceptance speech for it. It, it was kind of an emotional moment. There's still so many emotions tied to everything going on. And not only that, John, but at halftime of this All-Star Game, we got to see the celebration of the 75 players, you know, nominated to the 75th anniversary team. And that was a, a really cool experience to see them, you know, introduce the forwards, then go to the centers, then the guards. And you, you're calling out all these names and like, it calls back so many memories for fans who have, whether you've been a fan for, you know, 20 years, 50 years, it doesn't matter. Like everybody's got somebody that they can associate with and love and respect on that list. And it's a really, it was a really magical moment. I thought it was a fun, the whole thing was fun. Yeah. The, you know, starting with like the Steph, the Steph stuff, I thought, you know, Steph, put on uh, one like a really great show the the almost half court shot where he turns and runs back when he you know doesn't even watch it go through the 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 corner three pointer when he starts like talking to the people in the in, you know on the sidelines like that is peak Steph and that's when you're watching an all-star game that's what you want to see is guys be their peak selves and so so he made that fun like I said earlier it was it was Kind of like a all right, we're gonna sit there and watch guys, you know, take 10 steps without travel calls and you know, do all this goofy stuff. Like, all right, fine, fine, I guess. Uh, but then you know, Steph kind of like pulls them out of that, uh, you know, to pave way whoa, for whoa, though, but but the ja, the John ja Morant dunks were electric in the first half. Yes, we will give him that. Right. That was the highlight of the first it's half, not, was every single time John ja Morant in a tizzy because somewhere Sean Coleman's radar has gone up. Like, no, Ja, you know, Ja was awesome. Ja probably had that alley oop to Ja was like the best dunk of the entire weekend. But going back to the halftime stuff, it was really great to see so many of the legends there and, you know, in the same building. That's, I, I, I'm glad that there are some people who like understood the gravity of that moment. This is the entirety of the league. This is, this is from beginning the you know the humble BAA, you know when the Knickerbockers and you know in Toronto got together for that first game. That is, there's a through line between that and watching Steph do what he does, and and all of the evolution of this game, and and paving the way for the future. In you know John Morant, we saw these guys, Devin Booker, and 
you know, Carl Anthony Towns and all these, you know, Darius Garland, all, all of these guys that you, you know, the, the league is going to be handed to them in a few years and, and they're going to shepherd in that next generation. Whenever we do that hundredth anniversary team, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm around to see Ja get that, you know, potentially and, and, and stuff like that. So the weight of that moment was really, really huge. This is, this is a true celebration of the league's history and the league is at a, at a high point right now. And, and they're about to enter in a, into a new TV deal in a few years. And, and hopefully they, you know, can do it with labor peace as we watch baseball kind of go through what they're going through. The, the league is certainly evolving and to, to kind of honor all of those greats that have so many of those guys and what they meant to the league throughout the course of its history is, is so important. I'm, it's, I'm a big believer in, in really kind of reaching back and honoring those greats because it does set the foundation. And, you know, however long this basketball thing goes, these are the guys that started it. And it was great to see them. And I thought it was really awesome to see how one, they were doing kind of two like simulcasts of the game. They had the, the mm -hmm. traditional TNT crew and then they had the uh, inside the all-star game crew. And you could tell coming back from the halftime ceremony, both both Chuck and Shaq, who tend to be obviously the two chuckleheads, no pun intended, of the, the inside crew, right? They were kind of, they were, they were humbled and touched about that moment, right? And Chuck mm -hmm. especially, you know, kind of, he, he let his, his, you know, Chuck demeanor down for a minute. And he got kind of real just discussing, just, you know, being a, a part of that group and seeing so many of the, the guys that came before him and came after him and being a part of that moment was so special. And then to see them kind of incorporate guys throughout the broadcast, obviously on the actual like broadcast team, you had Dwayne Wade and Reggie Miller, who are both part of the 75 all, you know, 75th anniversary team. But then you also had, you know, Dirk Nowitzki come by and, and hang out for a little bit. You had mm -hmm. Allen Iverson come by and, and talk and share his thoughts and feelings and emotions about being a part of this. And I thought it was just such a beautiful celebration of the game. And like you said, you know, here's to the next 25 years and what this is going to look like when we get to, you know, the hundredth anniversary. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, an important reminder. I, I, I hope for, for Chuck and for Shaq to, you know, like one of the criticisms of these guys is how often they say the, the things they don't like about today's NBA and a little bit of the denigration of the current game. Like, Look at what all of those guys before you meant to meant to you. Ch you know, you know Charles Barkley. Like he says, I you know I'm out there and I'm so honored to because I can't hold their jockstrap to you know to have been out there and to see what the, what those guys meant to the game and, and understand that the current guys they look up to to you the same way and and the league of Charles Barkley's forefathers was nothing like the league that Charles Barkley was in. And the criticisms that Charles has of the league now and Shaq has of the league now, those guys probably had of the league that Charles was in. And that those types of criticisms of, you know, well, this back in my day, it wasn't like that. You can do that every 15, 20 years, right? And, and, and that doesn't do anybody any good. I think hopefully if, if these guys take anything out of this celebration is, is those guys paved the way for you. You paved the way for these guys. Now you all got to pave the way for that next generation. The you know the rookie classes like the Cade Cunninghams and all of the young guys. You know Jalen Green and Evan Mobley. All these guys that are coming in that could be the next great ones. You got to pave the way for them. And you got to make sure that you're giving them the league in you know in a way that they can kind of take it and run with it. 
and not hold them back, not be like that parachute on the back when the guy's trying to run. This isn't a training thing. This is a, you know, let's look to the future. And, and you came 75 years with a whole lot of sacrifice, and, and those guys gave you a league that you kind of did what you needed to do with it. And just because the league has gone in a different direction now and is three heavy and is, you know, not as, you know, you can't get into fights anymore. That's just what it is. And just let them have it, let them have it and just celebrate what they have. And let's see what they do with it because great basketball players are great basketball players. And let's see what these next great basketball players do with this league. It's the NBA certainly has a bright future ahead of it. Like I said before, I mean, here's to the next 25. It was definitely a great way to end All-Star Weekend. I continue to be very impressed with the new All-Star Game format, the Elam ending. Let's let's institute it, at, maybe not across the whole regular season, John, but let's put no, it in more places. No, I sure. want it in the whole regular season. The whole <laughs> regular season. You don't, there's no, I know I'm going to go over time here, but there's no reason for double overtime games in, you know, November. Let's just Elam ending it. Let's just do it. It's so much more fun. Think about how much more fun these December, January games are going to be the, the middle of the season doldrums when there's always a game winning shot. That's always going to mean something. These guys are going to be playing for something there. If they get, if you can get these guys to play in the all-star game and give a crap about the all-star game <laughs> by just saying, here's an Elam ending. Here's a target score. All you only did is said, here's a target score. And they said, oh, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll chase this target score. Think about what it does for, you know, Thunder and Trailblazers on January 12th. Like those, that's still going to be a fun ending. You know what? All right. Well, you know, you, you've sold me on the idea a little bit more. I think it might be harder to sell the players and the board of governors and everything for the NBA. But for more Elam ending propaganda and all things Celtics, be sure to check out John over at the Locked on Celtics podcast as we roll into the final kind of one third of the NBA season. John, always a pleasure to have you on Locked on NBA with me. I'm going to change my Twitter at to at Elam ending. And that's going to do it for another Monday edition of Locked On NBA. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, be sure to check out the new Locked On NBA YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search Locked On NBA, like, comment, subscribe, all of that. But as always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts.